Hey everybody. So as you know, a little over a week ago, some of Louisiana, mainly the northern and western parts of it, were hit pretty hard by some storms and many, many people were displaced in like the hundreds of thousands. Uh, we're okay. We live in New Orleans. We actually didn't get hit that bad this time or at all really, but everybody that helped us during Katrina got hit really hard. We've got lots of friends and family that right now don't even have a dry pair of clothes, don't have ways to get out to anybody or get any resources, and they're really hurting for help. We have a very strong sense of community in Louisiana, and everybody is trying to help each other, but that only goes so far. So, I mean, Josh, I mean, you, you knew how this was when it happened. Yeah. You were um, with me during Katrina. Yeah, we, we were together, so we, we lived all, the, all through that. And um, personally, I went to school up at LSU. So, I, I mean, I have a lot of friends that are still up there in Baton Rouge who thankfully uh, are okay. Um, their property isn't, and uh, some of their loved ones um, weren't so lucky as well. So we just wanted to, um, you know, do our part and help and do what we can to, uh, to give back to those who helped us when, you know, when we needed it. Yeah, I think this is the first time we're asking for money, but it's not even for us. We're just asking <laughs> to maybe consider if you're living in the area, especially anywhere near us, we're going to give you a list. Greg's going to go on and tell you a, pl a few places where you can drop off resources. Right now, they're I think they're going to close, but they need things like diapers, non-perishable foods, yeah. any sorts of toiletries, and probably water as well, I'd assume. But uh, if you're not from around here, we also have ways that you can donate monetarily to help out for the recovery fund. And we thank you forever if anybody decides to help with this. Uh, so, Greg, you want to give them some resources? Sure. So um, there's a bunch of resources out there. Second Harvest is partnering with Rouse's and a bunch of different restaurants and bar owners. You've got United Way Southeast Louisiana. You've got all these places you can text donations. There's, there's a bunch of options, way too many to read on air. Um, a big shout out to New Orleans Moms blog. They put out a really good comprehensive list of ways to do it in person or online. So we will have that on our homepage uh, right there front and center. So please, uh, if you have a minute, check it out and look for ways you could help out. Again, people across Louisiana um, have experienced storms and have not experienced storms, been through so much. But this is a really hard time for a lot of areas around Louisiana. And we were very fortunate down here in New Orleans to not be affected by this. And this is our opportunity to pay back some of the hospitality and some of the amazing things people have done here. And honestly, it's just a, a big tragedy and it'd be great for you to help out. It's really hard to imagine 100,000, but literally 100,000 homes displaced, like an entire city, pretty much. Yeah. All, Multiple cities. Yeah. All just underwater and, you know, uh, still still not accessible, according to uh, to the government. We do have the Cajun Navy, but they can only go so far because from <laughs> what I understand, the government's kind of stepped in and told them to kind of pump the brakes there. If you want something interesting, look up the Cajun Navy. But... <laughs> Yeah. So any anything you guys can do to help, that'd be great. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, a pack of T-shirts or whatever, just anything. Um, so we just wanted to say, uh, you know, a heart to with all of you guys that, you know, were affected by this. And um, we just wanted to uh, to thank all of you if you take the time to help out as well. All right. Enjoy the episode now. everyone welcome back to rumor flies i'm josh and i'm ryan and we are back with our continuation from season one with a food episode for season two yeah we're starting to show patterns here let's see if you can figure it out <laughs> so yeah 
we mentioned this last season, we were going to do another food episode. And uh, we're really excited because this one's going to be a little bit different than like what we did last year with just like cooking myths or whatever. This is going to be more with, um, I, I don't even know, how, how would you describe this, Ryan? What? The cooking episode that no, we're no, doing? No, 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 no. No, Ryan, this one, like, how would you say, like, what would you say describes all these topics we're going to cover? I would go with um, health concerns, possibly. I think that would be it because we're not doing anything about like how to cook anything or anything like that. Like, it's not seared steak. I'm not going to be bitching anybody about cooking improperly at this point. I think all of this is just uh, false health concerns and stuff that I kind of really wanted to touch on. But uh, we didn't have enough time last time, so we got this episode now. So even with false false health concerns, Ryan's Ryan will not be uh, tackling GMOs this time. So no need to fret about that. Don't ever email me about that. You will get pages <laughs> and pages of links. So uh, we don't have any plugs or anything we're going to do this episode. So we're just going to jump right into it. So Ryan, you want to start us off? Oh, another little thing real quick. Oh, God damn it. Well, um, hey, this is important. You may have noticed that Greg Tilton is not with us oh. right now. He's not dead. He's just, I think, in Virginia now. I, the, Greg just kind of comes and goes like he's the, the wind. He just, I think he just refuses to do food episodes with us. Uh, yeah, th- that's right. That's a great point. He's not here this time. This is two two food episodes in, you know, that we've done that he will not be here. So thanks a lot, Greg. Appreciate your love and support. We've got to ask why he is so against this. We're going to have to like have an intervention or something. We're going to have to sit him down and be like, what is your problem? We're just going to have to start saying all the words that he definitely never lets us say. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess with uh, now that you know, we realize that Greg's not here, Greg from In-Depth Media. Ryan, you want to start us off? Yeah, I will. So this is going to be kind of the crux of what Rumor Flies is, again, because it's I love Facebook things to get propagated. And by love, I mean I absolutely f***ing hate them. But at the same rate, it's something to cover. And this one I've seen, it, it spiked a couple times over the past few years. And it's Apple Wax. Uh, you Occasionally you'll see something like there's a few Facebook posts or something like that where it's just like a picture of somebody scraping an apple with a razor blade and you see like a whole bunch of wax piled up under it and you're like this is why you should need apples make sure to skin them first and everything because you're going to be eating wax that you know the government's putting on your apples and there's a whole bunch of different reasons <laughs> that they say not to eat the wax on there first always i feel like the main thing that everybody uses as a scare excuse is cancer it causes cancer that's what they everybody always says i think in almost every situation we've gotten to things causing cancer well th- th- my whole issue with that is like people like oh don't do b- b- because it causes cancer it's like hey asshole if you want to use that logic don't ever do anything that requires being outside because the sun causes cancer yeah that, that like right then and there like that that's stupid but continue i'm sorry so anyway, cancer is one of them and the second one is that the idea since they're coating the apples with wax that it will retain the pesticides that were sprayed on the fruit or the trees to keep the bugs away. And then when they could with the apples, you got a nice little pesticide sandwich in there that you just, you know, eat it all up and everything. <laughs> Your stomach's going to have no bugs in it. Well, I, I, I can't say that's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, or any flora yeah. or fauna. If you can manage to get some fauna in your stomach live, that, that's cool. Wait, oh, did tapeworms. You say, did you say flora and fauna? No, I don't mean them. Oh, uh, no, 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 like flora, fauna, and Meriwether, the three fairies from Cinderella. Anyone? Okay. We're, already, di- we're done with Disney, Josh. Disney you can't mode. do that anymore. You Sorry. can't do that. Sorry. So I guess let's jump into it. From what we've seen, this has stemmed from a YouTube video. Wait, stemmed because it's an apple? Yeah, I know. I put that in there in case. <laughs> uh, you got the pun right there. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Yeah. 
So there was a YouTube video that was making this big old warning with all the big letters and everything and terrible font saying you should not eat apples and make sure to cook them beforehand or when you cook them, like, you know, it turns dark. And actually, when I looked this up on uh, Snopes, which we occasionally do a first path through Snopes for some things just because they send some good content. We usually don't reference them for our, you know, actual what our show notes because we like to get to the direct sources first well yeah yeah but like it's the wikipedia rule too well that's exactly what i was gonna say snopes is a really good jumping off point because they've covered so many different things and it is their sole purpose to you know we, we run parallel with each other we both have you know a lot of the same objectives in mind um i mean not always but i mean they're great at at the things that they cover and if they can make our lives a hell of a lot easier so we can give you guys better content then so be it i mean that's kind of how i feel about it yeah so Pretty much, like I said, I looked at it, and they had a burn master on Snopes. This was great. So this is just getting straight into the whole Apple Wax deal. It's the quote, In the clip, the individual gave no information to substantiate the claim. He also noted the apples, quote, changed colors when exposed to boiling water, a procedure familiar to many viewers and which is most commonly described as cooking. (laughs) In parentheses, apples are not the only fruits that darken in color when exposed to direct and sustained heat. So... (laughs) <laughs> that's the proverbial middle finger fuck you buddy I, I could just leave it there and just be satisfied with it yeah but we'll go a little bit further with it <laughs> that's great and so here's the sciencey bit and on per orders of josh i have kind of made sure not to put as many big names in there for this because it's not quite necessary to it's, it it's uncle rusty syndrome yeah i guess so so in terms of uncle rusty then Many fruits produce wax that coats the outer layer to prevent moisture loss and spoilage. This is apples, this is berries, just about anything. Aside from, I I mean, bananas don't have as much of it. So when the fruits are washed, some of the wax comes off too. And this comes from something called cutin, which mixes, mixes into the actual outer layer of the fruit, which would be the apple or, you know, the orange, whatever you're dealing with. So it's like a preservative. Yes, it's to prevent moisture loss yeah. and spoilage. Yeah, and yeah. People are really picky in the grocery stores when they go to look at something. And, you know, something can have a bruise on it but still be completely edible. There's so much produce that's just thrown out in front in the back of, like, a grocery store just because it looks bad. Oh, yeah. If I'm ever homeless, I'm just dumpster diving in a, in a grocery store dumpster. Yeah. And there should... Yeah, pretty much. I was going to say there should be, like, laws to let people do that, but I think that would get taken advantage of. Well... <laughs> I told you about our particular friend that uh, worked over at, he's a landlord, pretty much, not a landlord, a groundskeeper, over at a kind of like hoity-toity apartment complex. Yeah. And he's taking up dumpster diving. (laughs) He literally went up, we were at the bar, and he went to his car, he's like, here, let me show you what I got. He's like Charlie Kelly, it's awesome. He just... (laughs) He's doing Charlie work, so... Yeah, he's doing Charlie work. So he goes, he comes up, and he has like a Bluetooth bar for like a TV... He's got, like, a fossil watch. He tried to give me a fossil watch after that. And then he pulled out the best thing was a tin. He was like, yeah, this is some dead guy's apartment. He pulls out, like, a tin of old coins. And there's some coins of swastikas all over them. So. I mean, dude, some of that stuff might be worth some money. You never know. Yeah. I mean, you know where all of his Christmas presents are coming from, though. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a daughter. It's like, you're not into Bluetooth speakers yet, but you will be. You will be. (laughs) You, you won't appreciate this now, but you'll grow into it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make you like this because this is your Christmas present. That's exactly it. By the way, start having brand loyalty to Fossil. <laughs> Getting back on the track. So generally when fruits are washed, some of the natural waxes come off with it. So usually it's with, you know, a little bit hotter water. It's not with room temperature or anything like that. You need to be able to sterilize a little bit in order to get... Uh, 
a lot of things off just to clean it. Right. I mean, you are supposed to still wash your fruits before you eat them. But in general, before they're even packaged or brought to the store, they're washed once over. And then they are coated with natural waxes from palm and other plants, mainly used to recoat the fruits. And the other less used synthetic waxes are approved by the FDA. These can be petroleum-based, and I know that sounds like a bad term to use, but Vaseline's also petroleum-based. There's a lot. Everything you're touching almost is petroleum-based. The cups you're drinking out of, just about everything. Petroleum can do a lot of shit. So these waxes are approved by the FDA and have been shown not to be harmful at all. So that kind of knocks out the whole cancer thing because there's been no direct health correlations to anything, any sort of waxing on top of apples or any other fruit for that matter that they put it on. And then unless the natural waxes cause cancer, then the coating doesn't either. So in since it's natural waxes from palm oils, like it's a very small amount that they use synthetic waxes usually. Yeah. Usually it's from palm oils and other things like that. And nobody ever complains about those causing cancer. Obesity, maybe. But cancer, no. And also, it's just a small, tiny amount of a recoating uh, to put on there to prevent the moisture loss. And, it, you know, they have cold temperature storage to make things, like, look nicer longer and just make it look like the perfect apple. Well, I mean, let's, you know, just kind of thinking out loud real quick. Like, if they put this this wax on an apple or whatever fruit it is, like, as you're transporting it from point A to point B, you know, because there's no way it goes directly from the farm to the grocery store there's stops in between right mm -hmm. that wax is going to deteriorate over time right yeah so if the first thing you're supposed to do is wash your produce before you do anything with it wouldn't that solve most of the problems anyway that's a very good point <laughs> i mean really this is a problem caused by the first world it's just like you want perfect apples well you're fucking gonna get wax on it it's that's how it's gonna work. It there's just, nothing. It, there's no workaround to that. Right. It, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense because everybody wants to pick and choose the little things that they they want to be mad about. And when you take a step back and you go through the whole process of everything, you're like, that thought of yours can't make sense because, you know, of this entire you know process that goes along from picking the apple to cleaning it to waxing it and then going you know to the distributor and whatever and you know things like that, like just take a second like a second to step back and think about it and like that'll solve that issue. But it's easier just to click the share button on Facebook and not worry about it or read the article. Right, and just scare everyone. And, I mean, there's other storage methods that would prevent spoilage, like freezing them. However, once something thaws, so the way water works is it's one of the very few things to expand when it freezes. When it expands inside of any cell walls, such as any fruit, it will lice those cell walls and give it that, like, gritty, terrible texture. I mean, you've had a bad apple where it just, like, it's just has that graininess in it, you know, mm -hmm. when you bite into it. Mm -hmm. Those are probably pre-frozen apples. Oh. So this is the workaround for it, to use natural coating to just kind of, like, compensate for the most part. And as for pesticides, I actually had to do some thinking about this one where, yeah, if you were to put the wax on the apples and there's some pesticides on the apple already, it would kind of seal them in. Only thing is, we are waxing the apples because we already washed the waxes off of it. So therefore, the pesticides that were already on it are to come off too. That's why they wash them to remove any pesticides like that. Well, let me ask you this then. Here's another step farther, okay? If you're that concerned about it, why not just peel the apple of the skin? Wouldn't that get rid of all the pesticides that imagine like that aren't there, but what if there were, wouldn't that get rid of it as well? Well, that's what they're suggesting is you have to peel the apples and everything. But there's a lot of flavor in the skin. Like I love the skin of the apple. For See, the growing part. up, I didn't like the skin of the apple. I, I used to peel the skin off and then eat it that way cuz I liked apples. I just didn't like the skin. I eventually got over that bullshit. 
It's not a fruity potato. You're right. supposed to eat it whole. I, I got it now. Okay, I, I eat the skin. All right, for for your uh, for your own peace of mind. But it was never like, oh, there might be pesticides or anything in it. I, I, That's never your first thought. It's just no. you being picky. Exactly, me being an asshole. So from Washington State University, they said the amount of wax applied to fruits appears to be negligible when compared to the natural wax on the fruit. A careful study of the amount of wax added to the commercial waxing process used in the packing houses in Washington showed the amount added uh, by the process was so little that the increase over the naturally present was was statistically insignificant. So pretty much there's not much difference between the two. Like it's like dilute wax on top of there. So there's also still some left in there. So it gets the pesticides off, leaves a little bit of natural wax on. Then they just, it's a safety mechanism. It's, you know, redundancy. When reliable analytical methods were used to distinguish between the wax naturally present in the apple and that applied during waxing, it was difficult to even detect the presence of the added wax on the waxed apples. So, Pretty much it's saying there's almost no difference because it's natural for the most part. A lot of plants use the same type of waxing on there. And mm-hmm. if they're derived from other plants, then you're probably not going to be able to distinguish between the two. So that kind of just nips that right in the butt for the yeah, most it's, part. It's it's doing you a service by helping you to make sure you keep all those things you don't want in your body out. And you know, it just drives me nuts because it's seeing those Facebook posts where people already have enough to worry about. This is like only a step below the whole dihydrogen monoxide warning and everything i mean that that's that's satirical this is people legitimately being like oh my god your wapples are gonna kill i said wapples <laughs> that's shortened for waxed apples with those wapples <laughs> jackass i'm gonna breed them i'm gonna make new things called wapples anyway waffle apples wapples don't worry about the wax. You probably didn't even know they were on there until you saw that stupid picture right, it's just stupid moving on to you josh Okay, so today I'm actually going to take a different turn. As uh, Rumor Flies likes to do, we're going to get into the mundane of the episode. All right, who's dying? (laughs) People that play the game Chubby Bunny. I'm sure, Ryan, you've heard before, as I had growing up, that you you shouldn't play Chubby Bunny because uh, people die from it all the time and it's such a dangerous game. And I was just always kind of like, yeah, f*** you, whatever, bullshit. Well, first off, let's explain what Chubby Bunny well, is. No, I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. This is just kind of my own, you know, my own personal input into the matter. Um, but so just because Ryan's an impatient bastard, <laughs> Chubby Bunny is a game where you stuff marshmallows or, you know, we, we talked about. We had a debate crackers. about this. Right. Yeah. I've heard saltine crackers. Um, you know, I've also heard marshmallows. It's pretty much any food that you can fit in your mouth and then say the words Chubby Bunny. It doesn't even have to be food. No, any literally it could be shit. If that's what you so choose to, if you're like the Cleveland Cavaliers fan who decided that he was going to eat shit after they won the NBA championship. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that was weird. So anyway, yeah, Chubby Bunny stuffing marshmallows, but most of the time it's marshmallows, but it could be anything. And you and your friends play it and you see, you know, who can stuff the most in their mouth and say the words Chubby Bunny and then they win for whatever reason. I don't I don't you don't get a medal or anything. It's a great time before kids discover drugs. Yeah, it's 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 like a, a pissing contest, basically. Like, oh, I stuff more marshmallows in my mouth. It's like, well, you can suck dick better than me, whatever. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, what so, kind of sleepovers did you have? <laughs> better ones than you, apparently. I guess. <laughs> so, like I said, like I just kind of just like shook that off as like an old wives' tale. I didn't really give much credence to it. Rumor flies does not condone the use of drugs. Or, I just channeled Greg just now. I, I feel like his ears <laughs> were just ringing. Like, <laughs> 
<laughs> I think he's really drunk at a wedding right now, and he was just like, I need to let them know that was not okay to say. <laughs> Dude, you can't say that on a podcast. What's wrong with you? You can't say that. All right. That's that's my really terrible Greg impersonation. Greg, you come impersonate yourself over here unless you want to be misrepresented. <laughs> Uh, so as always, Rumor Flies fans, please uh, direct all your hate mail to Greg at rumorflies at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, it turns out that this is true. People have actually died from playing Chubby Bunny. Uh, in 1999, there was a 12-year-old girl named Casey. I just kept it as Casey. Uh, I didn't want to give her full name. And know. her sister. <laughs> I, I was waiting for the joke, and I didn't know what you were going to say. <laughs> Hamburgers. <laughs> This is the second time we've done this. <laughs> Worth it. Hopefully some other people watch Tim and Eric. I they do. I fucking hope so. They man. do. I hope so. So in 1999, 12-year-old girl named Casey, she died from asphyxiation while playing Chubby Bunny. Now, here's the interesting thing about it. She was going to play Chubby Bunny with the rest of her class at a school-mandated function. So, like, they were all going to be playing a game where they stuffed marshmallows in their mouth and say Chubby Bunny. Well, the teacher, you know, was in the room with them and then she decided to start playing before they were everyone was supposed to wear supervised and she decided to start doing it on her own. The teacher actually stepped out in the room at the time and she choked on only four marshmallows. So there was a big hoopla about it. And then, you know, the, the parents got involved and they sued the school district. And so it was marshmallows. Then. But it, no, but it was marshmallows. Yeah. Geez, just when they thought they were safe from canceling the jumping jack eating contest, this goes and slaps them in the face. Well, I'm not even going to acknowledge that. So what most people actually what I read, a lot of people were like, oh, well, what happens is if you have too many in your mouth for too long of a period of time, the marshmallows like turn into like a glue like substance and it lodges in your throat. Don't say anything. I'm getting to it, okay? <laughs> all right? Aqua team. <laughs> I filled all my office with wacky glue. That's a great point. It's just adult swim night. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Mark, mark. So, <laughs> um, it's like, like think about like when you make Rice Krispies, when you add the cereal and you put the marshmallows in there, you heat them up and they stick together because of the marshmallows. I had to think about how I made Rice Krispies last time, but yes, that's how I did it. Okay. That's what a lot of people believe happens to you when you leave marshmallows in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Except there's one huge problem with that. Okay. Our body doesn't conduct, conduct enough heat to where it, that happens to the marshmallows. Mm. That's a really, like, that's really hard to do. Like, we, it's really, it, it takes, it requires a lot of heat. Just to melt the marshmallows? Yeah, to re- melt the marshmallows. And there's no way our 98 point whatever, insert number, degree body temperature that you have can conduct that like the marshmallow is that hot to melt we're extremely lukewarm ovens <laughs> pretty much yeah what actually happens is the marshmallows block the windpipe uh and that is what results in asphyxiation basically so people have actually died though from playing chubby bunny but it was for marshmallows yes it was and then there's another case in 2006 a 32 year old woman oh. cho- choked on marshmallows while playing a game at a fair in london i believe or leeds it was over in the uk i, I forget where um, but yeah, she choked on, on some marshmallows as well. So it seems to be a reoccurring thing that chubby bunny could, you know, if, if you put too many in your mouth and it blocks your windpipe, then you're a goner. Actually, the thing about this woman was they were able to pull the marshmallow out of her throat and she still ended up passing away later on in the night after she was at the hospital. Oh, she probably had so much brain damage from cell death, like just from lack of oxygen at that point. Yeah. That's what I figured happened. Yeah. And that's sad. Yeah. So, uh, that's a big AIDS jump though. Like. 
12 to 32 it's 20 year difference no one's safe well it's just like if you're gonna play that game it's like anything like use caution you know don't do anything to where you could harm yourself or those around you the interesting thing to me though about chubby bun you know casey the 12 year old who passed away from it it was a school mandated game like the whole class was gonna do it and they thought that like that wasn't a bad idea yeah, that was the weird part to me. The fact that it was school mandated. That's the strong word right there. It's just like, well, we're going to have this function for the kids, but what are we going to do so they won't be as loud? Let's get them to stuff their f***ing faces with marshmallows. You know, when I was a kid, uh, you know what we did? We, <laughs> I don't know if it's because we were poor or what. Um, we used to take a group of us and we used to all take off our shoes and we used to put them in a bin and mix them together and then dump them on the ground. Whoever could find their shoes the, fir- the fastest wins, but you had to tie your shoes. What? lovely game (laughs) it was cheap it was quick and it was easy all i remember was i thought i was going to suffocate a few times because uh (laughs) they're in pe in grammar school grade school i don't even know i know one of the things is very weird to say i know we say grammar elementary or grade school interchangeably but i remember in pe our coach had this big rainbow parachute and the game was literally to trap kids in the pair, it was giant too. It had to have been like a twenty foot di- uh, like diameter. Dude, everybody had those parachutes, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sorry. I guess I am not the, a special snowflake or anything like that. No. But the trick was to actually trap the kids in there. Yeah. And make sure they can't get out. It's like slowly bagging them and suffocating them until one <laughs> of them starts crying. The nineties were a simpler time. Yeah, they were back when sock and boppers were totally okay. Oh, they were awesome. Yeah, the trick was to deflate them a little bit so you could actually punch your friend. Okay, you put a little bit too much effort into that. Well, they did it to me, all right? <laughs> I was the punching bag, okay? <laughs> well, that that wraps up uh, my, my chubby bunny. So, long story short, yes, you can actually die from playing chubby bunny. Don't be an idiot. Don't, you know, shove a whole bunch of things in your mouth that could block your windpipe. Be smart. And also, don't be impressive. We don't want to see if you can do the s'mores marshmallows. Don't put them on fire in your mouth either. That way it'll actually melt the who. Yeah, that that will actually cl- cause the the glue like substance to form over <laughs> well, your throat. I can't look out my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it's sugary but sticky. All right, Ryan, what you got? All right, so mine's gonna be kind of another viral Facebook post, but it might have gone actually a little bit longer than that. So this is a chain email and Facebook post that gets around a lot, and it's the McDonald's pink goo. Have you seen this picture? Yes, there's the famous famous image of like a. Like some factory or somewhere, and there's like a machine that's like turning it. Yeah, it looks like the f***ing tubby custard machine. Yes. Yeah. So it, you see this person in like a factory with a scoop, and it's supposedly for... <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. No, it's fine. I, I can do it too. Don't feel bad. See? There we go. Now we're even. So the, it, the picture was supposed to be for chicken nuggets. It was supposed to be the McDonald's chicken nuggets, and pretty much that is one of the most bullshit pictures out there. That's not what it is. What is it? So let's get into a little bit about mechanically separated meats. So mechanically separated meats is a poultry beef or pork product made by running unstripped bones into a fine sieve to extract remaining muscle tissue. And we'll go with that. Basically, the video said, quote, basically the entire chicken is smashed and pressed through a sieve, bones, eyes, guts, and all. It comes out looking like this. And then it has the picture. We'll put it in the show notes. So they're wrong in that respect right there. Notice that it just said unstripped bones. That means that not only has the animal been processed or all the organs and everything, including the eyes, that's ridiculous, have already been taken out and you have most of the meat cut off too. But they want efficiency and they don't want to waste anything. You got to give it to them for at least that. 
So what they do is they take these bones and then they press them through like a very, very, very fine colander at high pressure. And that way only the meat goes through. It still sounds gross, but ultimately you're getting meat from that. Well, the thing is, is if I believe what you just read, you didn't mention chicken at all. You mentioned pork and beef, right? I said poultry first. Oh, okay. Poultry. I'm sorry. I so it's across the board pretty much, unless you're talking about llama and shit like that. But maybe they do it for llamas too. I haven't seen anything about it. <laughs> so only the meat and bone are added to the sieves, not the bulk. What? Jury's still out on llamas. <laughs> it's so stupid. We don't have fact checker Greg here. <laughs> <laughs> Mechanically separated llama. Greg? <laughs> Greg, text his ass, see what he's doing. We'll have to Skype him one day when he's not here. I know, right? I know, it'd be great. I will set it up just so we can Skype him while we're recording. So, <laughs> Greg, I don't care what you're doing right now. Just look this up. I know we have phones too, but you do it. So anyway, it's not the bulk of the animal, and it's been a process that's been used since the 1960s. This is not new science, and really, it's not a new technique at all. It's not brain. It's like rocket science or anything like that. You just take a bone that has a little bit of meat still left on it, and you push it through and get the rest of the meat off of there. It's just efficiency. It's the way that the industry works. You don't want to waste stuff. People complain about that stuff all the time. The grocery stores, like I said, spoiled apples. They throw them out in the garbage can, in the dumpster, and then some hobos could pick it up. Or our particular friend who I was about to say his name, but I'm not going to. <laughs> so, mechanically separated beef was banned after a spike in mad cow disease. And mechanically separated pork is required to be labeled. Because they also have the idea of trichinosis, which we talked about which beforehand. Covered. Oh, yeah. Go Wait, back to the other episode. Ryan, what's that behind you? Is, is that a callback? I think it is. Oh, yeah. It's oh. Right behind. Hey, buddy. What's up? <laughs> so... Those have been regulated. You can't do mechanically separated beef, and you can't do... Well, you can do mechanically separated pork, but you have to label it. Chicken has been recognized safe to the point where you can do that. And generally, uh, with chicken, if you eat any chicken nugget, it's not going to like rip like you would when you're cutting into a chicken breast. So that's what that is. Now, as for the actual pink goo that was in that picture, we're going to get into this. A meat product known as boneless lean beef trimmings, or BLBT, which sounds like a sandwich. Yeah, I was going to say. I would Let's try to figure that out by the end of this. B-L-B-T, bacon, lettuce, lettuce. bacon, and tomato. <laughs> Ron Swanson approves, minus the lettuce. There we go. I am not a rabbit, so I will not be eating that. Sir, can I, can I help you find anything today at Home Depot? I know more than you. <laughs> Love that show. So, uh, boneless lean beef trimmings, or... Lean, finely textured beef, often referred to as pink slime. So this is what the derogatory term comes from. That's the pink slime. It's produced by a different process. Centrifuges, which is pretty much like a machine used. Like, if you've ever been on that thing in the fair where you get into this big, like, capsule and they spin you around until you vomit, and then you just, like, stuck to the wall, and then if somebody looks to the side and vomits, it's all plastered on you, like, by gravity? No, I uh, I know that, but I don't do uh, centripetal force well, so I stay away from them, but I know exactly what you're talking about. The fact that you use that term means I know you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a mini version of that they use this in a lot of labs to separate solids from liquids uh, the, the centrifuge that is it, it just just like totally not relevant isn't that what they do for blood tests like when they want to test like yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, a b a b and o like don't they just like spin it around real fast or yeah. whatever and i i've i have no f-ing idea what the science is behind it but isn't that like the same concept 
Well, they just use it to separate the plasma from the rest of the solids in the blood. Cool, but that's what they do, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, right. A lot of labs use it. I mean, there's almost not a single procedure that I've done at work that has not used a centrifuge. Okay. Unless there's, you know, no solids involved, but at the same rate. Anyway, so centrifuges are used to separate more expensive lean meat from fattier trimmings. The meat is then squeezed through small tubes and blasted with ammonia gas to produce the pinkish substance. Lean beef trimmings are legal for sale in the U.S., but they are mixed in with other meat products such as ground beef and make up no more than 25% of the final meat product. So it's kind of like getting the most bang for your buck once again, but the process is completely different. And the way this works, it also works for carbon monoxide. You see like really pink meat. They, they do blast like, you know, um, steaks. They, they stay pretty red because there's a little bit of carbon monoxide put in there. And the way blood cells react at the hemoglobin, depending on what it's exposed to, oxidation will cause it to brown. Carbon monoxide doesn't do that. That's why your meat would stay pink. So it's not going to affect when you eat it. It's not like it, it would kill you if you were breathing it in extensive amounts. But, I mean, once you open it, that's just poof, gone. Yeah. Same deal with this for the ammonia gas. It pinkens it to stop it from browning. I mean, would you rather pink goo or brown goo? I've had brown goo before. I'd rather that <laughs> <laughs> They know. They've heard our gaffes episode. <laughs> it's a poop joke. Yeah, poop jokes. That's, is that the first of the season? We don't know. Who knows? Stay tuned to find out. So anyway, this is used pretty much just as kind of like that little extra bit to throw in to add some bulk to some ground beefs. But once again, not more than 25% makeup. So it's not really anything more than like... It's not enough to where it like cause any harm or anything. Not that there's really anything in it that I guess the ammonia would 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 harm you, but no. But that's such a small amount to where it wouldn't really do anything. Yeah, it's pretty much to preserve the color and such. But also, it's one of those things where you know if you're eating a steak, a lot of people cut through the gristle and everything. It's kind right. of that method of them getting through the gristle. Now this process sounds much less savory than mechanically separated meat. Because they said, you know, they push it through small tubes and then they use a centrifuge to kind of just like separate the solids from the fats. I assume the fats would go to the top since they're less dense. You know, it's just, it's a much more sciencey process, but it's also a much less savory one. Okay. But it's still completely okay to eat. So much that food writer J.M. Hirsch did a side-by-side comparison of pure ground beef burger to a BLBT burger. Bacon, and lettuce, that is, bacon, tomato? Yes, it's not bacon, lettuce, bacon, tomato. <laughs> It's it's actually boneless lean beef trimmings. All right. You ready for a long one? We're going to go with the whole review here. That's what she said. Damn it. All right. That doesn't make sense. I'm editing that one out. Okay. No, I'm not. <laughs> so we're going to go with quote penalty shot. I know. Penalty shot. Yeah, whatever. First, the unadulterated burger. The aroma was luscious. The meat was juicy, tender, and nicely seared. Where I'd cut... Juices slowly dribbled out onto the plate, collecting in a pool. Mm. The taste was savory and meaty, with a big beefy flavor. Ooh. The chew had just the right texture. (sighs) And not like, you know, tobacco chew. That was just, you know, they didn't mix that in the burger. (laughs) I bombed that one. Okay. Fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) Substantial but giving. The chew had just the right texture. Substantial but giving. Hey, are you reading this right now? <laughs> I have it on paper. You can't look at the document. Oh, contraire, mo Basically, everything you would want in a burger. Aside from bacon, lettuce, tomato, and then more bacon. <laughs> and a bun. <laughs> now, 
<laughs> you ready for the 180? Let's do it. Tony Hawk it. He didn't even call the BLBT burger. The pink slime burger. <laughs> Opening a burger joint immediately after this, and then they're all going to be called the pink slime burgers. Nice. The pink slime burger also was perfectly seared and drew me in with an equally alluring aroma. That's giving some points to it right there. Okay. But no juices collected on the plate Aww. or dribbled out Ooh. or apparent in the meat really in any way, which is weird because they, he did this all in periods. The first time was, was in commas, so he was like wanting a nice like drawn out sentence to add the qualifiers. This was to make you know or dribbled out or apparent in the meat really in any way. The taste was hyphen okay. <laughs> I took another taste of the burger. But then back to the pink slime burger. It was not bad, but nor was it good. It was flat. I added more salt. No! It was simply one-dimensional. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess the best way to... He's going into like a Rust and Cole explanation of yeah, this. The I... pink slime burger is a flat circle. Okay. One-dimensional. I'll let you finish, and then I'll, I'll give my... Thanks, Kanye. Thoughts, yeah. And then there was the texture. Unpleasantly chewy bits of what I can only describe as gristle... Though they were not visible, seemed to stud the meat of the pink slime burger. The result was a mealy chew that, while not overly unpleasant, did not leave me wanting another bite. That means it's f***ing unpleasant. So, what I was basically going to say is, like, if you have a burger that, you know, you get from, I don't know, Joe Schmo's Burger Barn, that's like, you know, 100% ground beef, and then I go to McDonald's and I get a burger, and, like, we got halvesies on them, the McDonald's burger is going to be fine. Like, if I'm hungry, I'll eat it. But it's not going to taste as good as Joe Schmo's Burger Barn Burger. Yeah, well, the thing is, is that apparently, from what I'm reading here, this was like a completely BLBT burger. This wasn't, like, mixed in with the ground beef. Oh, okay, okay. So he had a burger just made of that. Stuff that you can't... This is like black market burger right here. How was he able to get a hold of that? He probably went to the factory. I mean, he's a food writer. He can get anything he uh, wants to. That's true. You know. He's a moody foodie. So that shows that, you know, BLBT, that's the pink goo, not the McDonald's chicken nuggets. Regardless, I think McDonald's has the worst chicken nuggets of any fast food chain, but you can't blame them for making pink goo. That's not them. If I want 20 of something, I know I can go to McDonald's for four ninety nine and get 20 chicken nuggets. So Little factoid, that is all Usain Bolt ate when he was in China. Yeah, when he was in the Olympics. Because he was scared that. of getting food poisoning from everything else. So he ate like something to the tune of 100 chicken nuggets a day. Got to keep that uh, carb loading, bruh. Right? I wish I could do that. I think I'm just going to start doing it. Whatever. Go for it. So that about wraps up the whole, you know, mechanically separated chicken thing, the pink goo. It's not pink goo. It's, it's different, but it's not pink goo. But to top off that, let's go with one last topic that uses mechanically separated meat that nobody has a problem with. I was going to, this is exactly what I was going to ask you. So I'm glad you, you're bringing this up. F***ing hot dogs. Yep. Like everybody eats hot dogs. Everybody eats sausage. That's mechanically separated meat. Okay. That, and I think we could even elaborate on that for another episode, whether hot dogs are really like, you know, pig meat, pig fat, pig foot, pig anus, pig everything in there. Because I've heard the same stuff about it. And I'm pretty sure that the same applies to the chicken nuggets as it does to the hot dogs. But we didn't do the research on that, so save that for later. That'll be our bonus episode for the Patreon listeners. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we don't have a Patreon, so don't look for it. So let me, let me ask you this then. So McDonald's chicken nuggets, they're just... It's just actual chicken. Yeah. Right? Nothing nothing else like 
I well, mean, I'm sure there's other stuff added to it, but it, it's it's like something, if you were to sell in a store, it would be labeled as chicken. Yeah, I'm not borrowing it as being devoid of any preservatives like phosphates or anything like that. But at the same rate, it is chicken. It's made with chicken. It's not made with anything right. else but chicken. When you're going to pick a meat, it's chicken. Like, there's no fake chicken that they threw in there. So That's that's exactly what I was going was gonna to ask. Yeah. So, once again, tell your dumb Facebook friend that he's wrong. I want you to write the comment on there. Do it for me. Then link this episode. <laughs> Dear listener. Okay, Josh, next. And then, you know, when they ask you, oh, you know, where, where, where'd you learn this from? You the go, internet. <laughs> from the streets, motherfucker. Okay, so the next topic I'm going to cover is one. Uh, it, it's kind of twofold. A, it's very near and dear to my heart. And two... Um, I really went down the rabbit hole on this one. I, I will fully admit it. Uh, and what I'm talking about is the myth or the misconception or the rumor or the flies that coffee stunts your growth. And what I mean by this is that if you're, you know, a kid and whatever age range you think a kid is, if, if you're a kid growing up drinking coffee, it's going to stunt your growth. Now, I'm, I'm going to start this off with, with a very personal story here. I even have a personal story about you for that one. <laughs> I think I know the story that you're going to tell. Uh, so uh, as we've mentioned before, I'm a twin. I'm a fraternal twin. My brother and I are, are we look very little alike, in my opinion. I'm also biased. But anyway, so when my brother and I were growing up every morning, my, my parents drank coffee. So Did you just call George ugly? I wasn't trying. No, I was just saying we look different. But I appreciate the backhand compliment of calling me attractive. Thank you, Ryan. You're welcome. It's what friends are for. <laughs> Did hey. you just call George handsome? <laughs> there we go. Evened it out. Okay. So my parents drank coffee every morning. That was like their their thing. And naturally, you know, growing up in that environment, we drank coffee every morning. So I remember when I was a kid, I heard somewhere, something at some point say, drinking coffee stunts your growth. And my brother was always a little bit taller than me. And I was very spiteful about this. I was fucking pissed. So I was like, you know what? How I'm going to combat this? I'm just not going to drink coffee anymore. And that motherfucker is going to be a midget. And I'm going to be taller than him. And life's going to be great. And I can fulfill my life, my, my childhood dream of becoming a professional football player. And then he grew up over six feet tall. And I'm not quite that tall. At now all. he's a professional peewee football player. <laughs> Now, now I'm, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not even close to six foot and my brother's over six foot. So, uh, fuck you myth conceptions. That's what I have to say about that. Yeah. That's almost like me. I mean, I actually didn't start drinking coffee till about three years ago until I graduated college and started actually working in an environment where there was a free pot of coffee always there. And you used to diarrhea all over the t like just drinking coffee. You were just like, no, I don't get it. No, no, no. Yeah, no. I didn't. Then I tried it and it just, it, I like it now. What you know? is this nectar of the gods? Exactly. But I, I specifically remember a long time ago, back when we first started hanging out, like sixth grade, seventh grade, maybe we, 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 we started clicking pretty fast. Back to yesterday. Yeah. Your family took me to Disney World. Big surprise. As we tend to do. And I got to see the habits of Josh in the morning. And <laughs> pretty much Josh, I would wake up and I'd like, you know, rub my eyes and I'd be up sitting up and everything. And I'd be okay. And then I'd see Josh just like curled up in a ball. Literally, he'd be sitting up in the bed, like with a 
covers around him, just like in fetal position, just going. <laughs> I looked like a like a refugee. It sounded like sorts. a dying pterodactyl. Like, <laughs> and then his mom would go and bring him a thermos full of coffee, and we're talking about like the you're saving this for the entire day size thermos <laughs> with a bendy straw in it. Just give it to Josh. Like she, he literally would not respond to any question. But like Josh, what do you want to eat for breakfast? <laughs> As soon as she would give him that coffee <laughs> and you start sipping it, you know those like dinosaur plants that they sell where if you add water to them, they start unfolding into like a full blossom plant or maybe like those little dinosaur capsules. Josh actually just, you see him sprout into life. <laughs> it was like you were giving water to a dry sponge. Like it was great. It was just amazing seeing that. So once again, I think we both got the shit end of the stick because I didn't drink coffee and still ended up short. And you stopped drinking coffee when George kept drinking coffee. And, and I still ended up short. Yeah. So the only thing to blame is your parents. <laughs> Thanks, genetics. So that's my Josh story, our little preface to why this is so close to our hearts. Okay. Now, to give you the short answer of this, coffee does not stunt your growth if you drink it as a child or as an adult. I so guess. now I have to find something else? Yes. You have to find something else to blame. Now, there was this guy who wrote this book. Um, his name was Mark Pendergrast. And the, the name of the book is Uncommon Grounds, The History of Coffee and How It Transformed Our World. And I love this quote so much that I had to share it. The quote is, quote. Penalty shot. Worth it. It's common knowledge, so to speak. But a lot of common knowledge doesn't turn out to be true. And that was him referencing the fact that coffee doesn't stunt your growth but i i thought that was a really good summation of this podcast can that be our tagline we still haven't come up with one yet <laughs> so no like i said coffee does not stunt your growth now here's the curveball in all this though there isn't evidence strong enough to show that coffee doesn't stunt your growth and, and hear me out on this okay I, ryan's giving me this this weird look okay it's the burden of proof man okay they have, it's been proven that drinking coffee as a child does not stunt your growth. And they've studied it long term, but there hasn't been enough studies long term to show that it doesn't affect you as well. Now, the reason being, the big reason being is that very few parents in this world are going to volunteer their child <laughs> to drink coffee for such a long period of time. Like, no, no parent's really going to volunteer their child as tribute there, okay? You know, parents have had enough of their kids as it is. And the last thing you want to do is get them caffeinated up at all times just for some scientific bullshit study. Okay? Yeah. So that's that's totally fine. I, I I understand that. Now, there was one study in particular, which I know is anecdotal. We always say this. We're like, we know it's anecdotal, but it, it, it shows what we're talking about. Trust me. We know this time. Right. One study in particular showed that coffee had no effects on 81 different kids over a six-year span. Didn't affect their growth rate or anything like that. Now, the origin of this is where I kind of ran down the rabbit hole. Okay, so just the little summary. Coffee does not stunt your growth. Even though there's not enough studies to show that it doesn't, there's enough to sh there, there hasn't been enough to prove otherwise. It's safe to say that coffee does not stunt your growth. Okay? All right. The origin of this, okay, this is where things get tricky. Coffee was banned as far back as the 1500s due to health concerns, okay? By Mecca, actually. Uh, it was also banned in 1675 by King Charles of England. So here we are, 
you know, year 2016, and we're pushing 600 years, 500 years, that there have been all kind of debates about, you know, whether coffee is good or bad for you. Now, the the number one culprit of this comes from this dick bag named CW Post. Okay, Post was a, a a breakfast foods manufacturer in the 1800s, and he made this this drink called Postum. It's actually still around today. You can find it in most supermarkets. It's not very popular, but it, it's it's still around today. So if you want to go give it a shot, go for it. Okay, I'll uh, look for it. Uh, Postum is like this non-caffeinated like breakfast drink is how it was uh, marketed. Oh, you mean green tea? Yeah, it's sort of in a way, but this was like... You mean it, water? <laughs> you mean milk? You mean anything but coffee? Well, this was his big alternative to it, okay? Because, you know, pe- people like to have that like... I don't. I, I. I can't even give you like a real good justification for this, but this is what it was marketed as. Okay. I know green tea is caffeinated. I just know it's not as caffeinated as coffee. Okay. So Postum, which was the the company that he made that made this grain based drink, uh, Postum made millions of dollars like overnight because he chose to villainify coffee and marketed it uh, to sway people to drink. You know his his, his drink. Now he had ads with like, and I'm having. I don't know if you can tell the air quotes are coming through the microphone. This pseudoscientific reasons uh, why his drink was better for coffee and coffee was bad for you, such as coffee caused kidney failure. It caused heart failure. It was nerve poison, whatever that means in quotes, nerve poison. And it also led to yellow skin. I don't know where that came from either. Um, But even after he died in like 1914, I believe it was, his company continued to push their agenda against coffee. But this time they kind of pivoted to focusing on not giving it to children. And their claims for that was that you should never serve a child coffee under any circumstances whatsoever. It'll make them sluggish. It'll make them irritable. It'll make them sleepless. And it will rob them of their rosy cheeks and sparkling eyes. That was his exact, this was their exact words. So it turns him into an adult? Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. (laughs) It also affects their schoolwork. And then in in an ad that they ran in 1933, which will be in the show notes. I was really glad that I got to find this. In this 1933 ad, it says, it shows a picture of a child working uh, at his desk. And it says something like coffee. It hampers proper development and growth. So that's like where this big misconception that coffee is bad for kids comes from is this like 1933 ad where he just like shoved it down people's throats in order to gain from that so people would buy his product. Keep in mind, you said around like the 19 teens to the 1930s. Right. This is the exact same time that there were advertisements from Bear to sell, what was it, laudanum and heroin and opiates as a prescription medication to solve everything. another one, yeah. Yeah, so let's see how all the marketing goes there. Well, I mean, mean, here we are now in, uh, you know, there's a good chance that if I said the word- We covered cocaine and Coca-Cola, right? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Um, Actually, the last food episode. Uh, how about that? It's the only food, other one. It's our food anniversary. Wait, no, that was the drugs episode, wasn't it? No, it was the food episode. It was. Yes. Okay. Food. I covered it. I know. I know. Uh, but it's like the fifth time you said that on this podcast. <laughs> All in different intonations. I know. Shit. I know. Shit. So the thing is, is like Postum is still around, and they they like still make stuff today. But like, there's a good reason why 
if I mentioned the word postum and you don't know what it was, that just shows you like how prevalent it is today. And uh, yeah, so that's where not giving coffee to your child just basically stems from. You know, like I said, it goes back as far as the 1500s, but that 1933 ad is where a lot of people point to being like the origin of where this myth came from. That's awesome. That's amazing that you have that. Yeah, so check the show notes if you want to check that out. I'll high five you if I could reach across this table, but we're both really Wee. short, so Wee. it wasn't from the coffee though. But yeah, that's uh, that that's that in a nutshell. Nice. All right, so for my last little factoid of the night, we're gonna talk about a traditional old wives' tale, and I've heard this from several people, particularly. Well, my fiance has heard this from a lot of people that she works with. She's worked in the restaurant industry at certain points. And a lot of them say you have to wait for food to cool down before you put it in the refrigerator or else you'll get sick. Like hot food, if you get it, you got to make sure it cools down before you put it in the fridge. Have you heard that before? No. You have not? No. I looked this up. (laughs) Sorry. All over Yahoo Answers, all different answers. Okay, cool. Maybe I'm just sheltered. Yeah, you're just sheltered. That's fine. You live in a family that had that kind of stuff that they know better. Or just lived in a family where there weren't a lot of leftovers because we were fat pieces of shit who ate all of our food. They didn't have a refrigerator. They didn't have a choice whether or not to put it in there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they had refrigerators. It had Disney logos on the handles. It did. Oh, and they also have those baseball pictures of you and George. Like, I'm giving away so much about your childhood right yeah, now in this episode. I can't say that I'm a fan of it. Yeah. Oh, well. More to come later. That's in the bonus content. It's for Patreon members. <laughs> Ground Patty Jr. <laughs> <laughs> The story that shan't never be told. It it will never make the light of day. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So, food cool down. The idea is that you have to let your food come to at least about room temperature before you put it in the refrigerator. Okay. Or else you'll get sick. Why you'll get sick? I don't know. But that's what people say. (laughs) That was my first question. (laughs) I, I was looking for the answer of why you would get sick from... You know, not putting, you know, from putting it immediately. Okay. What I can tell you is why I'll get sick from letting it cool down. Okay. So the straight and simple of this one, like I said, this is an old wives tale, a big one. Josh, trust me on this one. A lot of people have heard this. I've asked around. Even like my mom has heard that, but they don't do it. I I, I believe you. Your yeah. mom still believes in MSG as well. So I tried, man. <laughs> so it turns out that foodborne pathogens, particularly E. coli and other sorts of bacteria, can double every 20 to 40 minutes when food is between temperatures of 140 to 40 degrees Fahrenheit. And for everybody that isn't in America, 60 to 4.5 degrees Celsius. That being said, that is the optimal range when you're letting your food cool down from very hot to there. It just cools down very slowly and has tons of time to build up all of those lovely bacteria in there. Nice. Yeah. So straight up, you should probably put your food in the fridge as soon as possible. Now, there are some caveats to that and some, you know, contradictions to it. But for the most part, for um, a modern-day health safety sake, if you just have a regular fridge and you don't have, like, a giant five-gallon boiling pot of soup to put in your fridge, go ahead and put your food in there if you're not using it as soon as possible because you want to get that cool down to happen as fast as possible so you give that small window for bacteria to grow as opposed to just naturally cooling. That makes complete sense right it's not really hard to disprove that one that one's yeah. really easy and it's funny because the easiest the, the two resources that i have here were the fda which is a great resource i'm glad that they you know wrote something about this but the other one <laughs> was where i think the myth came from the other source that i used for this was aarp.org and oh, that's a for that's a first for us 
That's a first. <laughs> Reaching new territory. Mary, I'm supposed to put my food. That's a terrible old person. I can't do it. Can you do an old person? Yeah, that was saying I'm not supposed to put my food in the fridge before it cools down to room temperature or else I'll get sick. <laughs> Thanks for translating. All those that syllables right. in one. <laughs> That's we great. That's we great. had the Google text to speech and it worked. <laughs> That's so stupid. All right, continue. There's an option for chess player in the park. Uh, so anyway, so the contradiction to this is that yes. There are some reasons why you would not put it in immediately, and that's if you have large quantities of hot food. Now, from enthalpy laws, and I'm not going to get into this. I'll just say enthalpy laws. I, that was, yeah, that's exactly what I thought of. Sometimes hotter things actually cool down faster than the things that are not as hot as them. Yep. And I said that in a very roundabout way, but point being is pot of boiling water might actually cool down faster than a pot of, I don't know, just microwave hot water, possibly just like, ow, type of water, yep. you know? Won't give you a third degree burn. That being said, once again, if you have a fridge that's a small area and you put a big pot of boiling water in there, there's a chance that it could potentially raise the temperature inside the fridge and cause spoilage to all the other foods that are around it. That was my other point that I actually had, so I'm glad you covered both of them. There you go. See, I do some research, you know. I know shit. I know shit. <laughs> Rumor flies. We know shit. Yep. That'll be it. So afterwards... Say you were to put, like, once again, a hot plate of soup, like, just below boiling, right next to, say, a gallon or a quart of milk in the fridge, there's a chance that it'll spoil faster because it brought it down to temperature yeah, just sense. from heat radiation. And enthalpy is generally... No, I'm not going to go into it. Fuck it. Not doing it. Well, it's just like... it's Think about it this way. Like, if you put something that's really hot in the fridge next to something that's cold, that hate, heat... Hate, that heat is going to radiate next to whatever that's cold, and it's going to raise the temperature of it. It's just it's simple laws of thermodynamics. The goal is equilibrium. Right, exactly. Everything is trying to get to the same temperature, and one thing may need to give off more temperature, and the other one may need to be taking that in. Right, exactly. That is something that we're probably going to catch shit for, but that's the easiest way we can put it. Well, I mean, we don't need to sit there and go through a 30-minute lecture of like thermo the laws of thermodynamics and, and heat radiation and things like that. Like, it, There's no need for it. Yeah, I threw away my physics book. But... <laughs> So the origin of this, from best I can tell, and I've seen a few links to kind of agree with this, is that this uh, old wives' tale came from the time of ice boxes. And we were just talking about fridges. Yeah, it'll raise the temperature a little bit, but then you have a compressor that'll like click on, and then it'll try to bring it back down to that right. temperature. It you regulates. Have that reg yeah, regulation. Ice boxes, you have ice, you put something really hot in there, it'll melt the ice and then just bring the whole thing down. You only have a certain amount of cold in there before right. it just gets to room temperature. You're limited on the resources. Until you, have to you cool add it down. more ice. Right. So that's the idea from it is that if you put something hot in there in an ice box back then, it would melt the ice, bring it to a lower temperature to where it might be that like, you know, Goldilocks window where bacteria is just having a fucking party and just fucking like crazy and reproducing by itself. Bunch of pesky rabbits. Yeah, they're the only type of things that can have single-person orgies. Asexual. Yeah. So that's where the origin probably comes from, is it was good advice back then, but now that we have modern technology, which is refrigerators, walk-in freezers, regular freezers, and mini-coolers that charge you a lot at hotels, now we don't have to worry about that. So the best bet is probably if you have food that you have just eaten your meal and you have some leftovers, just put them straight in the fridge. I, I can't disagree with that. 
All right. So Josh, let's round it up last with you. So the last thing that we're going to cover tonight is aspartame. And I'm sure, Ryan, you've heard this a million times before because I know that I have. Yes, yes. Aspartame causes cancer. Aspartame causes headaches and yada, yada, yada. So I decided to really dig into this and I went to the American Cancer Society to see if they had any answers. And they did. And they were an amazing resource. And I, and I, I linked to, to the page in the show notes. And I highly recommend you guys checking it out because it is just a wonderful plethora of information. But so does aspartame cause cancer? According to the American Cancer Society, no. Well, that's a good start. Is that it? Bye, everybody. <laughs> see you later. Uh, they've done tests on lab animals where they were fed over 4,000 milligrams per kilogram. Okay. Now, Ryan, working in a scientific field, that's a lot. I, I guess you can agree with me on that one. Yeah. 4,000 milligrams per kilogram is literally four grams per kilogram. Wow. I did some heavy math right there. I was going to say, look at you doing, moving decimal places. Uh, so so take, 0.4%. Yeah, so t- take uh, our word for it. It's a lot, okay? And they fed them that much over their lifetimes, and they found no relation to it causing cancer. Now, there were two publications by a group of Italian researchers that suggested that very high doses of aspartame might increase the risk of blood-related cancers. like Don't uh, put the aspartame in your pasta. <laughs> like leukemias and lymphomas uh, and rats. But the FDA... And the EFSA, which is the European Food Safety Authority, I believe. And they have called those results into question. And they say that their data isn't quite there for them to to say that that that's actually the case. So you have nothing to worry about. And I went as so far as to pull out a quote from the FDA on regarding aspartame and not only causing cancer, but the fact effects that aspartame has on like headaches and nausea and things like that. So I'm going to read a quote from them because I think that this pretty much just makes this quick and easy and it, it refutes all of that. Claims have been made that aspartame is related to health effects ranging from mild problems such as headaches, dizziness, digestive symptoms, changes in mood, more serious health issues such as Alzheimer's, birth defects, diabetes, Gulf War syndrome, attention deficit disorders, Parkinson's disease, lupus, multiple sclerosis, and seizures. However, studies done to date have not found any consistent evidence of harm. So I think that just pretty much debunks all of that bullshit right there. Yeah. So going on face value with that, I will say that it is a little bit weird because some of those studies were actually funded by some of the companies involved in aspartame that had something to benefit from it right and even the legislation was done and was funded by some of those companies so it's kind of a no-no to self-regulate but at the same rate you know i i do know some people that i've seen it happen where they're drinking like you know uh, what they thought was like a whiskey soda mm-hmm. but it turned to be like a whiskey diet and they start getting a headache and everything. And it's really hard to call a placebo effect when they don't know it's in there. We've talked about that type of stuff before. Yeah. And there are some people that will swear by that. And, you know, I don't want to, you know, call bullshit on them or anything. You feel what you feel. Except for MSG. I'll still call bullshit <laughs> on that <laughs> immediately. Because there's no time where I've had anybody, like, eat something and feel terrible. And then it's because there was MSG in there. But for aspartame... It's not one of those things that I will readily call somebody out on because I honestly do, you know, 
it's not one of those things where it's as important. People can go ahead and just stay away from what they want. There's tons of artificial sweeteners out there. But the real, you know, meat of this is that aspartame has been demonized far beyond what it actually can do. Well, that that's exactly what I was looking into it. I mean, and you, I've read a whole list of different things that it's been attributed to. And I mean, the FDA says that it hasn't caused any of that stuff. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, something related to that, you know, just because it's not the overwhelming majority doesn't mean it can't happen to you personally, I guess. There is the issue of burden of proof and everything. You right. have to prove that, but you can keep going and going and going and you may not have proof, but the second somebody does, then that changes everything. Right. So I, I guess, you know, the F, since the FDA says that it doesn't do any of that, I put a lot of faith into them and that the American Cancer Society, who also's sole function and purpose is to, you know, look into this this kind of stuff. And the fact that they have said that it doesn't cause any problems as well, I tend to sway that way. But, you know, like you said, people feel how they feel. And I mean, I won't debate them on that. But yeah, you know, the FDA, a lot of people, it's true that they are understaffed and sometimes let things kind of slip under the radar. But we have used them as a resource and they do have funding at least to do scientific research right. and they know how to do proper scientific research. They have it down. So I trust the research that they do carry out and i realize that sometimes things fall through the cracks but american cancer society if they're saying that and i would say those are the people that would be overly cautious about something they're exactly. dealing with people that have cancer or that are fighting cancer or have had cancer it's not like there's not a whole lot of like i guess red tape or legislation going through that these people are I would say looking out for everybody's best interests. And for them to say something about aspartame not causing cancer, I would trust them on that one. But not only cancer, like headaches, uh, you know, it, it, that whole list of things. Like they, they have said that, that they can back up these claims by the, the FDA and the EFSA. Right. So and unless they've done their own research, you know, they could be, be doing aggregate type of stuff where they're pulling in all other sorts of research. And like I said, some of them were indeed funded by the industries that produce aspartame, sucralose, all those other sorts of things. But at the same rate, I really feel like things were revisited, you know, in order for something to be that widely studied. I mean, aspartame is one of the most studied compounds in American history right. because of this scare. Right. And almost every time it has come up with, yeah, nothing. And then, what, two Italian scientists found something that, I mean, when you're looking at averages, you go with, like, what it agrees with. And well, you, you don't agree. pick the outliers. Yeah, I mean, not when you have, like, mathematical and uh, statistical-based, you know, research fundings like this. Like if the overwhelming majority says, you know, it's not a duck, then it's not then it's not a duck. You know, I'm referencing the famous saying, you know, it sounds like a duck. It walks like a duck. It looks like a duck. It's a duck. But, you know, two people found it to be this. And then they're like, nope, your research is kind of skewed. So we don't really put a lot of faith in that. I, I have every reason to believe them that, you know, what they're saying is probably true. Those are the people they call the geese. Right. <laughs> right. So that that's our long-winded way of saying that if, you know, somebody says aspartame causes cancer or I have a headache from the aspartame, uh, it's on you to say bullshit and you can reference our episode. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's it doesn't do any of that stuff, so you can sleep easy at night. Yeah, so you can have a Diet Coke with your Big Mac. That's exactly right. Now I feel, I feel validated in doing so. <laughs> Everybody's done it. Don't be ashamed. <laughs> So, I mean, that that's it for this episode. Is there uh, anything else like just you, you want to comment on in general over, you know, the things you covered or maybe the things that I covered? 
Yeah, I guess uh, to wrap it all up, no, I don't have anything else to say. Okay. Uh, the one thing that I did want to add uh, that I forgot to mention before was that with the Chubby Bunny deaths, I found the actual origin of where that came from. Okay. And it's really cool because it came from somewhere I really didn't expect. Disney? No, but you're actually not far off. Where it originated actually was from a Peanuts comic. Really? And I have the actual Peanuts comic that will be in the show notes. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I, I don't have it in front of me, but it's, uh, it, it's from a long, long, long time ago. I think it's from 1959. So, I mean, it, it goes back quite a ways. So it's one of the original, you know, Charles Schultz Peanuts comics. From... Is that the one where Linus dies from playing Chubby Bunny? No, not quite that. But yeah, it's it's a Peanuts comic. So I thought that was really interesting. Uh, I, I will add that um, I'm really I was really interested in the McDonald's pink goo because I, I mean, I, I don't know if maybe it's just the era we lived in or or maybe I was just walking by the TV and saw that or found it on online. But yeah, I, I like have this like really like vivid image of like this machine with this pink goo in it and being like, oh, this is McDonald's chicken nuggets. It's hubby custard. You know, I'm, I'll be hypocritical about this one. Even if I had found the opposite of this where, yeah, that's exactly what it is. And also, they never said anything about the pink goo being bad for you. They were just like, ew, look how gross this is. <laughs> that was pretty much the whole of that rumor. And even so, I still would eat it. I don't care. I, don't, I, I just do it. I'm hungry and it costs a dollar. I'll do it. Well, it's like like you said, hot dogs. Like I, I like hot dogs. I know that it's not always the best things that's in them, and I don't even know what's always in them at all times. But I still like hot dogs, so I'm gonna eat it. Like you go to other places in the world, like they eat like scorpions and chicken feet. That maybe not be something like I don't like chicken feet. I've tried them, dude. Chicken feet are good. I, I don't. I'm not a big fan of them. You gotta myself. have them cooked right. Dim sum, man. Uh, well, that's where I've had them is with some dim sum, but uh, then you have a problem. <laughs> I, just, I didn't care for them. It, it's fine, but that's but that's my own personal preference. Like, if you don't want to eat the McDonald's chicken, you know, chicken. I almost said McDonald's chicken goo. If you don't want to eat McDonald's chicken nuggets, that's fine. But I mean, it's 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 nothing like you thought it was originally with that pink goo or anything like that. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I mean, everything that we've covered so far has been stuff that I've been just dying to get to, and we have tons of food things to cover. We could just make this podcast about covering food myths. Yeah, we could probably fill probably a full season just doing it. But at least I have less anger towards one topic, especially with the, you know, coffee stunter growth issue. I cannot blame that for my stature, unfortunately. I have to find <laughs> other things and people to blame other than myself. I unfortunately knew that it wasn't true from personal experience, but I was really glad that I got to find... Anecdotal, man. You can't do that. <laughs> I was really glad that I got to find the origin of it, though. That was the thing I was really most looking forward to. And uh, yeah, that dick bag, you know, CW Post. Thanks a lot, dude. This episode is brought to you by Postums. <laughs> So I think we're going to end this episode like we have been lately with some iTunes reviews. Ryan, you want to take the first one? Yeah. So the first one is going to be from Charsuth. Charsuth? I, I don't know how to say I that. I like Charsuth. Yeah, I like that too. Well, she gave us five stars and she said it's a fun show. Listeners, you should like follow by her example. Give us five stars. We like those. Yeah. And, and not five one-star reviews. One five-star review. Yeah, I know. I've heard that one before. <laughs> they know. They're going to write us an email about that That's one. That's fine. So anyway, Shar Sooth says, fun show, informative about, I'll start with that one over again. Fun show, informative about interesting topics that, I said it right, informative about interesting topics that you don't think of every day, exclamation, exclamation, makes me laugh. 
Make sure you have headphones, though, if you are listening at work. Exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. Love to hear some local NOLA boys on here. NOLA is New Orleans, Louisiana, if we yeah. haven't already said that. Yeah, so apparently, uh, you know, your coworkers won't appreciate our shit jokes. So, but thank you very much, Charsuth. You're extremely sweet. I'm guessing you're from here, considering you said local NOLA boys. You know, send us an email. Talk to us. Yeah. We'll meet up with you. We'll get some coffee. Or, or alcohol. Which we tend to do from time to time. Irish coffee, two birds, one stone. <laughs> there you go. And uh, I'm going to read from In Savities. Oh, I've... before you do that. Oh, God damn it. What? One out of one listeners found this review helpful. Well, thank you, that one person that found this helpful. Thank you for agreeing with Charsuth. <laughs> <laughs> so, In Savities, I have no idea if I'm saying that right. I think I... it's Savides. Savides? Savides. I don't know. I apologize in advance. Thank you for your five-star review. It says, good guys, weird science, which I really like. Uh, the, the review says, the guys address rumors and urban legends in an engaging way that is based on research or personal experimentation. They have a good rap. Rep, I report. Said rap, I almost said Rappaport. <laughs> I, I, I listen to Michael Rappaport. That's why they have a good rapport with each other. And they present the science behind the discussions in an accessible way both of which make for an enjoyable show. So thank you very much for, for the kind words and the great review. I'm sorry that I'm illiterate and I can't read it correctly, but you guys are awesome. Leave some more five-star reviews. That's awesome. We've had a lot more people write into us lately. If you guys want to continue that trend, that's awesome. We've got some really cool show suggestions that we got from one listener in particular that we're definitely going to be diving into. Oh, yeah. I like that one. I do, too. You know who you are. You wrote straight to us on the Gmail. Yep. We do respond to that. And yes, it's not always Greg. <laughs> it's not always Greg. So, yeah, if you guys want to interact with us, you know how to find us. We are on Facebook.com slash RumorFlies. We are at RumorFlies on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, our website is RumorFliesPodcast.com, and you can email us at RumorFlies at gmail.com. No, Greg's not here. We're not doing Google+. Plus. You just did. No, we're not doing it. He just gave me that, <laughs> those eyes just like, don't you fucking mention Google+. Plus. <laughs> They so, can plus one us. I like it. Yeah, that, if you want to plus one us, go for it. Add us to your circles. Add us to your best friends. Yeah, if you guys, like I said, if you have any show suggestions or you just want to say hi, we're, we're down for all of that. So thank you thank you to those who have written in, and uh, we'll get to some more reviews next time. But uh, as always, I'm Josh. I'm Ryan. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. This episode's closing song is Dead Island by Kitty. She can't harm me. Who do you voodoo, bitch? She can't harm me. He can't charm me. I'm a patrician. I'm singing pounds in the trash can. Kitty to the dishes, singing pounds in the trash can. Kitty to the dishes, and I love it. And why? Cause there's so many bridges to jump off. The backyards where you get dumped off. Little Kim wanna let the hot bump off. I just wanna drag you through the marigolds. And I just wanna preach every parable. Voices this black and yellow, and I'm white and fucking terrible. I'm not in my chairs in front of Cracker Barrel with a red nose like a character in Carol's a Christmas. I hear miss. Kitty comes with this. I just wanna be like, deal with it. I wanna kill a beat and resuscitate it in two minutes. No committee of police to write cock and say, leave Kitty alone, the Chris crop to me. You don't know why all the boys flock to me, bitch, draw your eyebrows on them. 
talk to me Draw your eyebrows on and talk to me You don't know why all the boys flock to me You don't know why all the boys flock to me You don't know why I get blocked You're unable to discern if I'm the wonder king or underdog So fuck it all, I'm the one to wall I'm the one to call, I'm a stab, I'm a slug with that And I'm in battle like a thundercat I'm a thunder kitty, what a shitty little pun But that's why I need a gun like that Or something like that I get bottle sore and shot a lot And I think my body needs an autobox I'm hot a lot and I gotta get some auto pops I'm optimist and I'm boss around the autobots And I'm bouncing my own crowd Need to get the fuck out of my hometown And I'm bouncing my own crowd Bouncing my own crowd Bounce bitch, bounce bounce Bouncing my own crowd Bouncing my own crowd Bounce bitch, bounce bounce I'm able to discern from the wonder king or underdog 